Good morning. All right, let's get this worship up and running. Lord, we just come before you this morning. What a glorious morning. What a glorious and powerful and majestic God you are. Lord, just thank you so much that you hold it all in your hands. And we can just rest in you on this day and, and celebrate your goodness and praise you. Lord, this worship is all for you, Lord. We have an audience of one this Sunday and every Sunday, every day. Paul says every day is a day for worship and to the Lord, Lord. And we just thank you so much. God, that we can come before you this morning. So receive it as a sweet incense, Lord, and thank you for the blood of Jesus that makes it possible. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Standing up. It's the Lord's house. Three. 
Jesus in ways that we never should be.
Father, we just thank you for your presence. Thank you that you are with us, Lord. And just when we were singing that line about my heart sings a brand new song, just talking with a brother the other day about what it used to be like before Jesus. And the song of my heart back then was, was an ugly, bitter, angry, filthy, boastful, blasphemous song. And it literally was. Singing in bands, that's exactly what came out of my mouth. And God, you've put a new song in our hearts. You've washed us clean from head to toe in the blood of Jesus. And we have a song of hope. We have a song of redemption. We have a song of faith and of glory. Thank you, God, for doing that for us. We have a song angels can't sing. And, Lord, we just thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made that we can walk before you, Lord, and be counted as worthy in your sight. Thank you, God, for this song in our hearts. We love you, Jesus. In your name, we give you all the glory. Amen. You can have a seat. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you here. Just a few announcements. Uh, today we have lunch this afternoon, like usual, and everybody's invited to that. Um, starting September 12th, uh, the uh, Daniel study will be starting up in the cafe, and uh, the women's study will be doing a how to do inductive Bible study. And so if you've never uh, been through that, or if you have and you want a refresher, you're welcome to, uh, and you're a woman, you're welcome to uh, join in on that. And then on September 19th, the ladies are going to uh, resume their Roman study, uh, working through that. And uh, Sunday, uh, I mean, this starts, uh, the Leaders and Pastors Conference up at Calvary Chapel Stone Mountain starts a week from tomorrow. So we need you to sign up today if you're interested in going. And um, it starts Monday, September 6th at 1 p.m. and it ends uh, Wednesday about noon. And so uh, if you're interested in going, uh, the, the uh, church will pay your fee. Um, the only agreement we have is if you decide to not go, because we can't, there's no refunds, the church can't afford to pay you not to go. So if the church pays for you to go and you don't go, you got to pay the church back for that. But, um, but we just look at it as a worthwhile investment in you. Uh, you don't have to be a pastor or a leader to go. It's just for anybody, and it's just a good, it's basically worship and a great Bible teaching and worship and Bible teaching and worship and Bible teaching and just a, and then fellowship in between all of that and good food. They always do barbecue. You know, they got the giant grills out there. They smoking everything right there so it's always a really good time of fellowship and everything so anybody's welcome to come just there's a sign up sheet right out there and uh, put your name down and uh, we still need volunteers uh, for the children's ministry we do have one more uh, so we're up to three teachers and we are uh, rolling I'm gonna be in there today with the kids Serge and I are just filling in the gaps until uh, they all get filled in uh, just to keep keep that going and uh, so if you're interested in that, let me or Serge know about that. And then uh, clothes donations. We're, uh, uh, we, we do have, we, you guys have been bringing stuff in. That's awesome. And uh, we could use more men's stuff, I think, right? Yeah, men's and uh, kids. M men's and kids stuff. So if you uh, have any of that, we got some new 
bigger clothing, double clothing racks, and we're trying to get all that organized in there just so we can get the stuff out there better, efficient, more efficiently, and um, provide it. But it goes. When we bring it out here on the food drive every other Saturday, uh, that people take that clothes. That's what, what's what does it. We had it in here forever. Nobody comes in here to get it, or very few. But when we bring it outside, that's uh, people come. And anybody's welcome to come help. Is it, so next Saturday will be that at 9:30. We set up. You're welcome to come out, and uh, we just set up the tables and the tents and the clothes. And uh, anybody's welcome to come join us uh, to hang out. And we just say hi to people as they come up and invite them to church and what it, you know, pray with them sometimes. So. Uh, just a good time. So anybody's welcome to come for that. And what else? Uh, praise reports. Anybody have uh, anything they want to share? Oh, hold on just a second. David's bringing the mic out to you. Thank you. Good morning. Um, a lot of you guys have been uh, following the journey of my grandmother who got diagnosed with cancer a couple of years ago. Um, and I told you she had one more scan left uh, before they would deem her in remission, but her last scan was completely clean. There's no cancer. Um, so basically now she just has to go every six months to make sure that's how it stays. But I mean, right now they're, we call it the R word, but they're using that word remission. So, wow. um, so just, that's incredible. So yeah. I just God. appreciate all your prayers. So thank you guys. Praise God. Most of you know, um, We've been asking for prayers for my mom, um, for her back and everything. And um, we've finally gotten approval from a doctor who will do the surgery, and he's scheduled it. Oh, nice. The problem is, you know, we're just worried. You know, mom mom has to make the decision. And so we're just praying that, um, you know, we don't know. We're like, I don't know. Is this the best thing? Is it not the best thing? There are some things that we have concerns with with surgery there's many things that we have concerns with it seems like she's in a catch-22 and sure. um so if y'all would just pray for the lord to speak to her heart so that she will know what she needs to do i know that she will feel those prayers and i know that she will very much appreciate them um she's been asking me personally please just pray for me to write, make the right decision so um if y'all will just keep her in mind for that please but sure. praise the lord we at least have somebody that's willing to do it yeah if that's the route she decides to take. So. Very good. Praise God. David, back behind you there. Well, just to, uh, everybody knows the bad luck that I was on the streets and stuff. Well, I'm still on the streets, but everything's looking so much better, you know. I mean, looking, I've got my check coming. I've got a job. You know, I've got a little place to stay till I find something that's worth, you know, an apartment or something. But uh, I just wanted to say praise God for everything's happening. Instead of bad stuff, it's finally turning around. Praise, praise God. God. David, did Dorothy, did you have your hand up? Yeah. No. <laughs> David, back there, Dorothy. Um, I bought a house on Friday. I closed. All yeah. right. Yeah. Pretty exciting. Um, felt like the Lord was with me the whole step of the way in the process, and um, there's some hiccups, but everything worked out in the end and closed on time, so just oh, good. Awesome. Praise God. Yeah, if you need help moving, let me know. We'll get guys together next Saturday. Okay. 
Tracy? Uh, last Thursday, I went to Dollar uh, Tree that's right around the corner from my house. And next thing I know, I've got a job. Yay. And I start tomorrow. Hey, um, you guys that have been seen on the line app, I just wanted to give kind of an update on our friend. Um, this is a guy who has, he's, he's got a wealth of talent and he's smart as a whip, but unfortunately he's just made some decisions in life that brought him to a lower place and I spared all the details. That's not the important thing is, it is that he's asking for prayer. He's saying, hey, I've wrecked my life again and I really need answers and I really need you guys to pray for me that I make the right decisions and that I start continuing to make the right decisions one after another. And we heard from him yesterday that he has found a, a I guess it's a rehab program in Indiana that's gonna take him uh, for, mainly for alcohol, I think. Okay. And um, he just, he said it's like a nine month program and he's going to come back to Macon and, you know, finish his business here and go there. And he doesn't know what's after that. So just thank you for praying because it made a difference. He's made some good decisions. And it looks like he's going to get help. Hopefully they're going to help him the right way and, you know, so reset his life and start over. Right. So Let's thank go. you. Yeah, awesome. All right. So anybody have a prayer need this morning, if you'd raise your hand. All right. We've got Michaela and Steve and back here. And Danny, did you have your hand up? Yeah, Danny. And Tracy in the back there. And uh, we just gather around those in prayer, and uh, I'll start us off. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these praise reports, for glorifying you and all that you do, Lord, in our lives. And Father, just hear us now as we lift one another up to you, Father.
Father, once again, we thank you for answered prayer this week. And all the uh, praise reports come through and good news has come through. And uh, Lord, as we dive into your word here, I pray first that uh, you just with be with me, speak through me. May your words come through, your message come through clearly. Um, and Father, that uh, we be changed that this word comes through and, and changes us uh, as we allow you to, Father. And uh, Lord, help us to just not only have ears to hear, but uh, minds and hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. We are going to be in Colossians 1, and we're going to be starting in verse 27. Um before we get into that, uh, last week I spoke about, you know, dinosaurs being bad pets, right? Well, well, dinosaurs, you know, they, they got to clean stuff, but what do you think their least favorite cleaner is? It's Comet. It's an obvious reason they don't like Comet. Um, anybody like clowns or anybody hate clowns? Oh, oh wow, okay, a few clowns. <laughs> Well, the other day, a clown held a door open for me, and I thought it was a nice jester. Nice jester. Yes, the moan. That's perfect. So we've been in Colossians 1 for a little bit, um, and last week Rob was able to take a couple verses and just really, ooh, man, he went out. He went out with the he's awesome on that. And uh, so today, uh, we're going to finish up Colossians 1. We're going to finish up chapter 1 and get into chapter 2. Uh, so Colossians 1, starting in verse 27. Here's Paul speaking to this church, um, and he's never been there. He didn't establish this church, but he's heard about them. And so here he's speaking to them. He says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. And I'm reading out of the King James this week, New King James this week. So this word he uses in your mystery. Uh, in Scripture, uh, Mystery isn't like something that can't be known or something we're not going to know ever. In Scripture, usually it indicates a previously hidden truth now divinely revealed. So it's something that in the past was unknown, it was hidden, but now has been revealed by God. Here in particular, he's speaking of Christ the Messiah in dwelling Gentiles. Now in the Old Testament, this is not clearly revealed. So God originally wanted his Jew, the Jews, his chosen people, to be basically his evangelists to the world. Um, but they were disobedient. So because of that disobedience, he couldn't use them in that way anymore. So by this time, here in the Colossian church, um, it was believed that by the Jews that the Gentiles had to become Jews first in order to be receive Christ and become Christians. It was like this two-step process. They felt that they had to first, okay, you got to be a Jew, you got to convert to Judaism, and then 
you can accept Christ and be a Christian. That's what these uh, Jewish believers thought. Now, Paul here says Jesus indwells even the Gentiles upon receiving him as Lord. In uh, Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In Romans 8, 10 and 11, and just I'm going to be going through several scriptures here. I don't have all of them on the overhead, um, but if you want to write them down as we go along, just so you can look it up later, that's probably a good idea. Uh, Romans 8, 10 and 11. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And then in Romans 9, 23 and 24, it says, And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon objects of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, namely us, whom he also called, not only from among the Jews, but also from among Gentiles. This other phrase he uses in here, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So with Christ in us, there should be some kind of change that comes out. You know, it's a change from within that comes out. That should happen. In Ephesians 4, 23 and 24, it says, To be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, this is not a, a you or a, or, a, or a me that's like made over or improved or anything like that, but it's a, a new self formed by Christ. It's not a remodel. It's a rebuild. It's a tearing down and rebuild by God, by Jesus, of us. And it's, he talks about a hope, right? The hope of glory. Now, this isn't like a hope like, you know, man, I hope I can change my insert sinful behavior here, right? It's not that kind of hope. You know, how many times have we failed at that, trying to correct ourselves? Now, this hope is an assurance, and it's not by our own efforts. We must allow Christ to do this work and do his work in us. Uh, David Guzik writes, This is the Christian's hope of glory. It isn't our own hard work or devotion to God or the power of our own spirituality. Instead, it is the abiding presence of Jesus, Christ in you. Uh, for the Philippians 1.6 says this, Being confident, confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, it's Jesus who does the work. Right. He's the one that's going to do it. But we must allow our old self to die, to be tossed away. We can't hang on to him. In Colossians 3, 4, I'm sorry. And then, you know, if we allow that to happen, then we can have that new life in him. In Colossians 3, 4, when Christ, it says, it says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So if we allow that to happen, we allow God to take us, take our old self, 
demolish it, throw it away, and rebuild us new, then we have that Christ in us and that hope of glory that one day he will come, he will present us in him in glory. Verse 28, he speaks about him we preach. It's just very simple. We should preach Jesus, period. Not ourselves, not our opinions, not cool stories, not lame dad jokes, but him, Jesus, right? Our focus must be on Christ Jesus. And it says you're warning and teaching every man. You know, we should present the whole gospel to the whole world, everyone. The word warning here in Greek is nothiteteo. Uh, I think I pronounced that right. Which means to put in mind. So Paul, his desire was to put God's wisdom in the minds of the Colossians and everyone. And that should be our goal. We should be preaching Jesus and putting his wisdom or trying to put his wisdom in the minds of all those that we touch and know. In Acts 20.20 20, it says, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. You know, we, this church body, should be also do the same thing if we're able. Um, later on in Colossians, you're going to read in Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace, in your hearts to the Lord. And he's speaking to the whole church there. And in Romans 15, 14, it says, Now I myself am confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. You know, it's been cool to see how God's been using, you know, us here, several here, to preach and warn and teach. Um, it's neat to be seeing Rob Clark and then Clay and David, you know, over here on Wednesday nights, kind of rotating in, teaching, and then Amy over here with the ladies on Sunday afternoons. It's, it's just neat to see how God is raising people up and God is using different people in that way to teach and preach and warn and just taking this, this particular passage and just using it and, and applying it. And what's the goal of all this? Well, it says, present everyone perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, of course, we're not talking about sinless perfection. We're not going to achieve that here in this life. That only happens when we go home and get our new bodies. And the word perfect here in the Greek is teleleos, which means to complete or completeness. Uh, also, you know, to in growth or moral or to grow in, in mental and moral character is what it's talking about. So this speaks more of a spiritual maturity in things like the will of God, love, holiness, patience, every good thing. So some examples in Colossians 4.12, it says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, 
But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We're still in, we're working towards this. We're working towards a spiritual maturity still. In Second Corinthians 7, 1, it says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Once again, it's, it's a process where you have to allow, allow God to clean us from the inside out and help us cleanse us from all this filthiness. In James 1.4, it says, let, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then in Hebrews 13, uh, 20 and 21, it says, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, it's God that does that work. And it's his, it's his will that we should be after. And he's the one that's, that's doing the work so that we do things that are well-pleasing in his sight. And here's the thing. When he is doing that and we allow it to happen, he's the one that gets the glory. He's the focus. Verse 29 is talking about labor and striving according to the working which works in me mightily, is what Paul is saying here. So Paul here, he was empowered by God. But it didn't mean he just kicked back and relaxed and enjoyed the ride. He was empowered by God to do what he was called to do. In this case, at this time, he was in prison writing these letters. But he also, tra you know, he was traveling, establishing churches everywhere. And God empowered him to do this. But, it's like it says here, or like he says here, labor, the definition it's, he's talking about here is to feel fatigue, to work hard, to toil. The other term he says here is strive. It's an athletic term. It means to struggle or compete for a prize, kind of like Olympic wrestling. You know, when they're wrestling in the Olympic ring, they're really working hard to try and win. And they won't win unless they actually work hard very hard to win that way if you're just going to sit there and just let the guy toss you around right you know the opponent toss you around it's not going to happen you got to work hard to win so that's what he's talking about you know really striving and working hard see paul wasn't lazy about doing what god, god called him to do and then figuring god would just take care of what he didn't he's not doing that and man what an example to follow in doing what god calls us to do you know, to give 100% effort in whatever ministry God calls us to is the goal, is what we should be trying to do, trying to follow Paul's example, really, you know, striving and working and allowing God to do his work through us, but not just kicking back and, okay, God, you, you got this. You know, it's not, we don't just, we're not just along for the ride. He wants us to put our effort in also. All right, now we're in Colossians 2. 
Verse 1, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and, stead and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So Paul had this internal conflict for the Colossians. He's using another athletic term here, conflict, uh, meaning contest or a fight or a race. Uh, this was a spiritual battle he was fighting for them because he cared for them that deeply. He really struggled inside for them. Now, Paul, once again, he did not start the church at Coloss, and he never visited the, them. He'd never seen them. They don't know what he looked like, but he'd heard of them. And yet, he cared for them deeply, even though he'd never been there, never you know, saw them, never visited them. He cared for them very deeply. Now, it's easy to care and pray regularly for for folks who, you know, maybe we've known or know, you know, people we've met, it's, it's a lot easier. But it can be a little harder when we try and pray for those that maybe we've never met. It can be difficult to even uh, remember them in our prayers, you know. And we support here, we support several ministries financially. Um, but the thing is, are we diligently, you know, are we diligent in our prayerful support of them? You know, I want, I know that I'm guilty of this, that, you know, unless I see it, you know, it's kind of an out of sight, out of mind thing. Unless you see it, you don't pray for it. Uh, there are some folks that are really good about, you know, having a prayer journal and, and writing notes. And what I like, though, is even though maybe we're not so great at or I'm not so great at praying for our, our, our folks uh, that we support financially in their ministries abroad. It's great to see on the line app that we've been, what we've been doing and seeing how the prayers for each other are going on and answered prayer going on there. And even on the line app, it's not just people that we know or see that are being prayed for. You know, it's also those that we haven't met. There's several of you who have put up prayer requests for people, I don't know who they are, and I've never seen them or met them. So it's really cool that we have that tool to be able to do this. Now, whether Paul knew the Colossians or not, whether we know the folks in these ministries on the bulletin board or not, we do have common struggles, and we should pray. In Philippians 1.30, it says, Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. See, even Paul knew that a lot of our struggles are common to each other. People, we all go through the same kind of stuff. Maybe not exactly the same thing, maybe not the exact situations, but a lot of the things we struggle with, especially spiritually, are common to a lot of other people, and they're not alone. In verse 2, he talks about their hearts being encouraged and knit together in love. You know, I thought about this, this popped into my head. I don't know if it's because I just watched a Superman movie or what, but discouragement, 
discouragement can be like kryptonite to the Christian. You know, it makes us, it can make us ineffective. We become ineffective to the point that we don't even want to try. We become easy prey for this world, which is ruled by Satan, you know. Here the word encouraged is, uh, in the Greek, is parakaleo, which is comfort and exhort. And we need both of those to take on difficult situations. We need that comfort and we need exhortation, you know. We need that, hey man, it's going to be all right. You know, that comforting, that comforting word, it's going to be all right. You're going to get through this. But we also need that you can do this. Let's go. We need both that comfort and that exhortation to get through difficult situations. And he talks about being knit together in love. So people talk about unity a lot. The need to unite. But the problem is, the basis of that unity is usually kind of weak. You know, you might unite for a cause, or unite as a nation, a people, whatever. But true unity must be based on love. In Matthew 22, 37 and 39, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, And above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. And that goes back to Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. In order to unite at all, we need, the basis has to be love. And that love has to be grounded in Christ Jesus. Now he talks about attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding. So this unity isn't just a matter of love, but also knowing and growing in God's truth. So it's easy to say, yeah, I love that person, right? Or you can feel love for somebody. But our feelings can be deceiving. Our feelings change, right? I like here what David Guzik wrote. He said, Paul knew that their unity, speaking of Colossians, came, not only from, uh, came from not only love, but also from the truth, from both being knit together in love and growing in the understanding and knowledge of God's truth. So as we grow in understanding and knowledge of God's truth, we'll receive full assurance. That assurance is that, you know, God really is good. God really is loving. When we understand God's truth, when we understand who he is through his word, we can have assurance of these things. I mean, a lot of people question, is God really good? Does he really love us? As we grow and understand God's truth, we can, we can know and understand, have full assurance that God really is good, God really is loving. Another thing that we think about is our salvation. Am I really saved? When we understand and have the knowledge of God's truth, we know that salvation is for sure and this Christian life is real. Both of those things are priceless. These 
talking about riches, both of those things, having that knowledge, having that understanding, having that assurance is priceless. And then he moves on, he says, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. So the Colossians, they had to deal with uh, a Gnostic heresy. So these Gnostics claimed a higher knowledge of mysterious things. And in order to understand what they were talking about, you kind of had to join their little club. But Paul uses their favorite term, you know, mystery, to help comfort the Colossians, that the mystery, the real mystery, is Christ in you, the hope of glory, which he spoke about in the previous chapter. See, they didn't need to pay attention to all these guys, these Gnostics, to anyone talking about mysterious things or deeper truths. Christ is the basis of it. Christ in you, that's the big mystery. That wasn't, that wasn't understood prior to Christ coming, that Christ would indwell the believer. It says, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So in 1 Corinthians 1.24, it says, Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. I like the way John Corson put it. He says, all wisdom, all knowledge is in, not from Jesus. Whoever desires wisdom to navigate life successfully must come to the realization that there is nothing more, nothing less, nothing else than Jesus. All treasures of wisdom are in him. Now he's talking about, you know, this, this is hidden. Now hidden here doesn't mean we can't find them. You know, that, oh man, where are they at? They're hidden. No. It means the idea here is like they're stored away like a treasure. Kind of like your money in the bank. You know where it is. You can't see it. It's hidden from, you know, of course thieves. But you know it's there. You have access to it. The same thing here. This, this hidden is not talking about, you know, it's, you can't find it. It's talking about a treasure that's stored away. You have access to this hidden knowledge, this hidden wisdom in Jesus. And it's in Jesus. And then he gives a little warning. He says, now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. So some people can come around and sound really persuasive, talking about hidden or deep knowledge or wisdom. You know, they come around saying, hey, you know, they try to kind of appeal to your ego a little bit. You know, hey, your little Bible study is, is cool. It's a nice place to start. You know, good place to start with. But if you really want to get into some deep truths, check this out. You know, it kind of starts to appeal to you that way, thinking, oh, man, what? I don't know about this. No, we've got to be careful. It's easy for, to be deceived that way and be persuaded. Now, for these guys, Paul isn't saying that the Colossians had already been deceived, but he was kind of warning them of the danger. And he says, for though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit. Now, this is pretty cool. Paul genuinely felt he was with the Colossians in spirit. It was real to him. You know, he mentions that inner conflict in verse 1. Um, in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 3 through 5, you could probably, I don't think I made a slide, but you can look it up later. He talks about being present in spirit at a church meeting in Corinth. And, you know, we can be we can do the same thing, and I think we already kind of are doing it. Um, like Monica mentioned, that she knows that 
that Pam can feel our prayers. We're with her in spirit when we pray for her. And he says, rejoicing to see your good order, speaking again to the Corinthians, and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So Paul here is rejoicing. He's rejoiced that they are not into this heresy. They're not getting into this, this Gnosticism. But there was a danger. Um, but he saw that they were in good order and steadfast. So these two terms, good order, steadfast, these are more military terms. Before he was using athletic terms, now he's using military terms. And these kind of remind me of my time in the army. You know, I was always talking about dress right dress and being squared away. And everything was in order, you know, right down to your socks and underwear. Everything had to be in order. And here the Colossians, they were disciplined and unshaken in their faith in Christ. You know, we should, would do well to follow their example. 1 Peter 5, 8-9 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So if we can follow the Colossians example, be steadfast in our faith when the enemy comes to attack. But we, have, we also need to remember that we were, we're going to face trouble. We're going to face attacks as a body and individually. You know, this, the, the church body as a whole face attacks. Each of us are going to face attacks. And we must remain steadfast. We have to remain steadfast in our faith in Christ. Once again, it's about Jesus. And remember, we don't face these attacks alone. It's not unique to us. You know, our brothers all around the world are suffering very much, very much the same sufferings that we will or already have, and some of them even worse than us. So we're not alone. Don't think that while you're going through something, while you're going through an attack, you're alone in this, and it's just, you know, you being attacked. There are others who are either going through the same thing you are now or have been through that. You can take a little comfort in that. But stand fast. Be steadfast in your faith in Christ. Verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So I got a question for you. And it's not a dad joke. Okay. How did you receive Jesus? Do you remember? Was it some kind of ceremony you went through? Or did you have to memorize a bunch of scripture first? Did you go to a seminar, you know, 10 ways to receive Christ, you know, 10-step process? You know, did you have to take a series of classes or anything like that? No. No. You received him by faith, right? Simply by faith. And that's how we should walk in him, by faith step by step simply now simple does not mean it's going to be easy walking by faith requir requires us to let go of control we must be okay with not knowing what the next step is or how things will turn out these things these two things are very hard for many of us to do you know because we we want to do it you know we want to be a part of it or have our, our, our hand in it. And we want to know. We want to know how is this going to turn out? What's going to happen next, right? 
That's how we are. But when you do let go of that control and really trust God, we'll take care of everything, right? If we're able to do that, if we're able to let go of control, trust God fully. Let him take care of it. Trust him that he's going to take care of it, whatever it is. Then you'll be able to see his sovereignty in action, working things out in your life in ways you couldn't even think of. I'm sure many of you have probably gone through that yourselves or you finally said, you know what, Lord, I can't, I can't just do it. Just handle this for me. I don't know what's going to happen next. And you allow him to take control and then you see him working things in ways you never even dreamed of and things coming out of left field, so to speak. That's God. Simple, but not easy. And here also, Paul uses an interesting combination of metaphors. As Christians, we walk, we are rooted, we are built up. We walk in faith, just as we just talked about. And we're rooted like the seed that landed on good ground, growing roots deep, far, and wide. Then it can bear much good fruit. If our roots are deep in the word, deep in Christ, then we can bear a lot of good fruit. We need to be built up. But that building, just like any building, has to be on a solid foundation, just like any tall skyscraper that's built or anything you want to build. It has to be a solid foundation for it. It has to be there. And oh boy, do we have a solid foundation. We were taught to believe and trust in Jesus for our salvation and forgiveness of sins. So we were taught. This righteousness is by faith. There's nothing we can do to improve on that. There's nothing we can do to make our righteousness better or improve on or anything. It's by faith. And I love this. 1 Corinthians 3.11. I want to finish with this verse. No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Because of that foundation, we can have an abundance of thanksgiving. If the worship team will come up. And Jesus is the ultimate foundation of our faith. It is him and nothing else. Anyone that tries to convince us otherwise, tries to give us any kind of, you know, new revelation or new way to salvation, they're just trying to deceive you. They're trying to take away the firm foundation, the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus. Let us stay focused on him. Let us let's stay just rooted and grounded in him. And you know what? As much as we can, let's let him take control. As hard as it is to let go sometimes, and as hard as it is to just only see that next step and take that step, not knowing what the next three steps are, even though we want to know, trusting in him, in Jesus, to take us through and guide us correctly.
man, it's a blessing. I'm pretty sure some of you have gone through it recently. Or maybe right now, you're wondering, God, how is this going to work? Help me take the next step. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time in your word. Lord, I thank you that you are that foundation for us. That as our faith in you is, is, is grounded in you, and, and, and Lord, you build us up on that foundation, that we begin to trust you more and more, and that we begin to let go, to allow you to change us from within, because we have, you know, tried and failed so many times to correct whatever sin it is that's been dominating our lives. We're trying to do it on our own strength, on our own will, and Lord, it's, it's not working. And Father, I just, I thank you that you, you know, you have that patience to wait on us and say, hey, let me do this. So, Lord, for those of us who may be struggling in that, Lord, I help us to, to just rely on you, to allow you to clean us from inside out. Lord, for those of us who are facing something that we don't know what the next step is going to be, we have no idea how things are going to turn out. All we can see is the next step. Lord, help us have the faith to take that step and trust you and trust that you're going to work the rest of it out. And as we go through it, Lord, help us to see your sovereignty and see how you take care of things in ways that we can't even think of, that we cannot see. So that ultimately, Lord, you get the glory. For the change in us, for the change in our, our circumstances, for taking us through a fire. Lord, you have that glory of bringing us through, changing us each a little at a time, building up our faith as we take the next step and trust you with the rest. Help us to let go of control. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, if any of you guys need prayer, I'll be up here. time, Lord. Just, just have a nice, beautiful time of worship, just singing unto the Lord. Amen.
Jesus, we adore you. No one can snatch us from your hand. No power. No principality. So we want to stay right where we're safe and sound. Right in the palm of your hand. The waves may come. The earthquakes may shake us. But if we're in the center of your will, if we're in the center of your hand, there's nowhere better we could be. Stand on up for this last song. There's a king in our presence. And we need to stand. Stand in the presence of the king. Because we don't have anybody else. We only have him. Praise the Lord. He's more than enough. Here we go. If I ran. If I ran away, you'd call me back to you. If I were to deny you, you would still be true. Cause you are the strength of my failing heart. So I will
For you are the strength of my failing heart. Thank you, Jesus. So I will stay. I will stay. Who have I? Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We glorify your name. We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for your dwelling in our hearts. We thank you that you have turned our lives around. Like our, our teacher said earlier today, you didn't just remodel us. You rebuilt us from the ground up and the old man is dead and gone. And behold, all things are made new. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Lord, bless the food that we have for lunch today. Bless the hands that have prepared it for us today. And may the fellowship in this place be sweet and precious. In your holy name, we give you all the thanks and praise. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys, enjoy lunch.